0: Good Evans, it's the Bobcast. Welcome to episode 42. I'm your host Bob Evans, but my friends call me Kevin Mitchell. How are you going? 2020 is almost over, but she is going out kicking and screaming. There is so much happening in the world around COVID-19 and some of it's pretty bloody awful in some parts of the world. And here in Australia, a little little early Christmas gift, a little New South Wales cluster has sprung up. Just days before Christmas and the holidays, which is understandably making uh, lots of people a bit nervous. Um, Me? I'm over it. I'm ready to move on. I feel like I've been given a glimpse of my old life again over recent weeks. I just want to keep on moving forward. I don't know how easy that's going to be. My new single, Born Yesterday, the first song to come off a new album, which will be released in April next year, has now been out for a few weeks. I hope you're enjoying it. I've been getting so much wonderful feedback and it's really helped make 2020 end on a high for me. So thank you to everyone who has been streaming it or buying it or just listening to it, enjoying it, consuming it in any way. Um, Don't forget, you can email me at goodevansbobcast at gmail.com and you can also check out the Good Evans It's a Bobcast soundtrack over on Spotify, which is the name of the playlist that contains all the songs we have ever talked about on this podcast. So if you hear something you like, maybe you didn't catch the artist or the name of the song, bam! That Spotify playlist has you covered. All right, let's get started. It's a Christmas special episode of the Bobcast. And who else would I be calling up for such an occasion? Ho, ho, He's the only ho. one who answers <laughs> He's the only one who answers my calls. Regular guest <laughs> of the show, my friend and yours, Josh Pike. It's been a little while since we've spoken. Lots has happened in that time, namely going back to work, going on tour, albeit in a (laughs) reduced capacity. But it's a whole new world out there. So it feels kind of timely as we end the year to catch up with Josh and talk about the future. Um, I hope you enjoyed. I can't tell you if I did or not because we haven't done it yet. I'm recording this intro before our chat for a change. But uh, you know what? It's going to be great. It's going to be great. It's always great. This is episode 42, a 2020 COVID Christmas spectacular With Josh Pike on Good Evans, It's a Bobcast.
1: your intros are getting so professional it's just it's frightening
0: really well that's uh, i think um, yeah well thank you thank you i remember you um you mentioning that uh, on previous podcasts we haven't spoken for a while i it's got to be a couple of months maybe um at Mm. least um yeah when i first texted you to see if you wanted to catch up before christmas I was not expecting that COVID-19 would become a topic of discussion, which is obviously what we, you know, for those new to the podcast, we've been talking a lot about COVID throughout this year. It's kind of one of the reasons why I got back into doing the podcast again. And I thought going into this, it's like, yeah, we're talking about Christmas. We were sort of, you know, I felt buoyed with the energy of Victoria being over 50 days now without a single case. And now, all of a sudden, there's been this cluster in the northern beaches of Sydney, and the borders are going back up again, and everything's starting to go nuts again. Mm. What, what
1: is your, what is your take on what's been going on? Literally, just on the
0: last few days.
1: Oh, it's. I mean, it's just, it's a drag. You know, it's like I, I, I think we're all we, we perhaps we're all getting a little complacent. Mm. Um, I, I was actually on the northern beaches playing a show at the Narrabeen ah. RSL um during this period uh, you know i've i've very diligently checked all the hotspots, and i didn't go to anywhere near those places and i you know i wasn't doing meet and greet, so there was no chance that i came in contact okay but you know even still it's it's um it's you know it's close to home and you know it it deeply affects us over christmas i mean i at the at this point i can't we we're meant to be hosting my extended family at this point we can't do that my poor sister who's been living in melbourne and just you know escaped the prolonged lockdown that you guys are in she was up in byron uh, you know working her way back down the coast in order to spend christmas here uh and then when this happened she just made a bolt for the border because she didn't want to have to isolate for two weeks she's she's just so jack of yeah of uh lockdown and isolation she just didn't couldn't take it again so she's she's bolted home yeah i I Um, don't i don't blame her so yeah it's it's you know it's deeply affecting again once again but you know having said that i was chatting to a friend of mine who lives in switzerland the other day and he was saying whilst he he's an aussie but he was saying you know whilst he completely sees that we we should be doing what we're doing in terms of locking everything down again you know 15 30 new cases a day for somebody living in switzerland is just like you know nothing absolutely nothing yes yeah, it's, it's like a ten, little it's little hiccup it's ten, isn't it yeah, it's like ten to hundred times worse over there. So, yeah, you know, I mean that puts things into perspective as well.
0: Well, it does. Yeah, I mean, I've got family in Switzerland actually, and some of whom got COVID right at the very beginning of it all. Um, and yes, yeah, true, like relatively speaking. But I mean, you'd ra- I'd, personally, I'd rather be in Australia and um, and maybe going, uh, you know, how, however you want to describe our reaction to when cases come up whether you want to call it heavy-handed or not. However, we're dealing with it with small cases. I think I'd rather be here than in Europe or America where, Mm. particularly America. I mean, Europe, I'm not sure. I know in the UK there's now there's this big thing because there's a new strain or something that's apparently a lot more... um, uh, Virulent. Yes. Um, and, And in America, or the US, I should say, it just seems like it's just out of control it's just being ignored that you know mm. because they're going through this whole election crisis but um so i think i'd rather be here oh, and uh, i'd rather be feeling nervous
1: and unsure in australia than feeling nervous and unsure in the us or certain oh, parts man. of I've, europe you know i've never been more grateful to be an australian living in australia than than 2020 honestly it's like it's really put how fortunate we are into perspective I, I, as you you and i know i'm not you know i don't didn't vote for this government Uh, I think they've made some, you know, some tactical errors, but at the same time, like, I I mean, I I just can't imagine really having coming out, come out of it better than we have. So, and even as an artist, you know, as a, as a creative and, you know, obviously we, we've spoken a lot about the impact on the arts um, and even with the impact that it had, I was still able to just complete an 11, you know, like an 11 date tour um and put out a record this year and and so i'm just i'm very grateful for how things have panned out in australia
0: let's talk about the touring thing and and maybe let's go back because you finally got to go on this tour but but this this has a long backstory and 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 just to kind of recap if you just rewind back to um say the start of the year of february say just before everything turned upside down you your tour was announced Right, it was sold it was announced, out. It was sold out. Yeah, everything were, was uh, looking were, good. Yeah, you were pretty much ready to go. Right, you're ready to jump on the plane and get going, and then it, and all it all went to shit. So, just do a do a quick kind of fast forward from from there to
1: to to now. As for, uh, of the, all the kind of uh, the journey that you've been on with like So March, it was booked for. It was all sold out, as you said. Um, I was super excited. I hadn't toured for three years. So this was, you know, my big sort of, you know, the beginning of a, of a, of a return to, to touring. Yeah. I um, uh, couldn't do it. We put it on hold until I think it was August or something. We, we sort of initially thought maybe we could get away with it then. Uh, you know, August came and went. We had to postpone it again. And then finally, you know, sort of a week before we were meant to go out on the road, um, the borders were still closed, and there was just really, and you know, uh, Melbourne was in the 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 very depths of, of the second the lockdown lo- yeah, of the second lockdown. Yeah, uh, and so we just canned it. We canned all the tour in general, and then we rebooked a New South Wales only tour. Yeah, uh, and I also did a live streamed show, a ticketed live streamed show from one of the Sydney shows um and yeah and so that's just wrapped up uh just the end of last week i think it was and yep. um and it was i mean it was awesome like it was very different you know limited capacities all sit down mm. um multiple shows uh, you know on various nights in order to fulfill the capacities but it was it was amazing give me a, just give me a snapshot of like what like one
0: week uh, like um how many shows in in single like how many shows would you get through in a week when you were doing multiple shows per day
1: well like okay so for instance with the sydney ones it was a bit disjointed as well because we had to really just try and cobble together a uh, a tour so we couldn't necessarily get like consecutive dates in newcastle for instance so i had to go back to newcastle three times instead of just doing right. you know uh shows you know thursday friday saturday
0: was that so at stuff Liz- like that was was that lazotte's right
1: yeah, Lazotz, which is a yeah. sit-down venue. Anyway, they had a limited capacity, but I played there loads of times. So that yes. was more awesome or venue. less the same as it, same as it always was. But so, for instance, the Factory was a good example, um, and I did three nights there. But I did sh- two shows a night, so it was yeah. six six shows um, in order to you know play to the amount of tickets that I'd sold. Um, Narrabeen was two shows. Uh, the Central Coast Leagues was two shows. Um, I think there was one in Canberra that was two shows, so there was a there was a, there was a bunch of shows which were we doubled up and you know like i say it was definitely different different vibe um I think it would be far more difficult if I was playing with the band yeah. or you know for a for a for a band playing yeah um as a solo artist I've done loads of those sit down shows anyway, so it kind of I could adapt to that pretty easily um but it it did mean doing you know, twice the amount of, of work. It's. Mm. I mean, it's. Not, I love playing, but it is quite exhausting playing for, for a solid three, three and a half hours mm. uh, by the end of the night and then, you know, packing down and, and doing all that kind of stuff. So quite exhausting, but extremely grateful to be able to do it. And, you know, I know ball. I mean, in some ways it was like a quite a good sort of soft transition back into touring. It, it wasn't really like, it was like being a weekend warrior, you know, like it was, mm. you'd go out, play a couple of shows, come home, been home for the week so yeah no complaints here it was amazing to be able to do it and people seem to really appreciate it
0: i bet um i absolutely yeah i can't imagine because yeah
1: after having such a long
0: uh being not able to go to shows for such a long time yeah people would have been um ecstatic i'm sure to finally get to go what did it feel like um what was the very first gig that you did to the tour but like how how did you sort of you know what was your mental yeah you know, state like right before the first show of like going into the first one going okay here we go haven't done this for a while <laughs> this is going to be weird how did you kind of you know steel yourself uh, to make make sure it was everything was good it was
1: it was a little bit surreal so it was at the factory the first one which was probably the biggest um we were able to probably fit the biggest capacity in there so was, I think it was 220 or something like that okay but having played the, the factory lots of times before, including with you when we did the, the Josh mm. and Bob shows, um, you know, that place comes alive with, with you know, a thousand people standing up um, playing. And so, this was, you know, it was seated. They weren't even allowed to get up and, ha- and yeah. order from the bar. So, they had little apps that they could order their drinks from. The, yeah. the thing was, for me as a performer, it was, yeah, I had to, I felt like I had to work. Kind of twice as hard to to kind yeah. of rouse the passion from the audience yeah for for the audience, I've had loads of people saying that it was like just such a pleasure to be sitting down and <laughs> served, served at their tables that they were like, oh I never want to go back I never want yeah. to go back to standing up, which is also maybe a reflection on on my demographic as well
0: <laughs> <laughs> you have mine
1: um yeah, yeah, exactly,
0: yeah look i, I totally hear what you saying about um you know the difference between playing solo and being in a band um. Because I think, yeah, you know, I, I actually, in a lot of ways, if I'm playing a solo show, I kind of prefer the seated shows, especially if they' if it's in a nice theater, um, mm. because when you don't have all the bells and whistles of a band behind you to kind of um, you know uh, create all of that uh, excitement, and it's just you, I feel like when I'm playing to a seated audience, everybody's really attentive. So you, mm. you know, like, so you don't need to kind of bash them over the head like they're already. That's just something. The nature of people being sit down in a theatre, they just tend to be a lot more attentive than if, you know, yeah. they're standing up and at, at a, at a,
1: and the bar is just a you know five meters away or whatever. Um, yeah, but, it's true. It's like it's like stand up comedy shows. You go there like prime to laugh you know and, and a seated show for for a musician you go there prime to listen i think is you know yeah as opposed to kind of you know rocking out and nudging your mates and shouting at your mates to you yeah know, buy you a drink or whatever
0: <laughs> but yeah i mean uh, doing that with jeb I, well we just wouldn't do it i don't think we would do it we just yeah. wait you know just wait until um you know there it's
1: festival time or um
0: yeah things are a little bit yeah. more normal because
1: it just wouldn't work you know um, well i mean you you, you would know because i mean you weren't Born yesterday. Oh, nice segue.
0: <laughs> On fire. so JP's, so JP's bring it all out tonight.
1: This is ra- this is how it works in radio. In the radio world, mate. We make segues. White hot. Um, white hot. So, hot. born yesterday. Your new track. I- I've heard it a number of times. Um, fucking saxophone solo. Yeah,
0: it's, it's, everyone's loving the sax, JP. They're loving it, the sax. When it when it
1: when it kicked in, I was like, "Oh shit!" <laughs> this is like Spring, this is like Springsteen. This is like you know War on Drugs. It was yeah, it was it was great. And who who was who played it? Uh, a guy named Carl Mackey, who I didn't know. Uh, he was
0: uh, brought in by the producer Steve Shram. And, you know, the, the thing is, and I've told this story a few times, so apologies to people who have heard this before, if they've heard any interviews over the last few weeks, but we brought, there's this other song on the record called Excuses, and it's a, a it's a real sort of, yeah, E Street Band kind of vibe that I was going for for this song. So it's got a brass, we needed, a, I had a brass section kind of part all worked out, and so we got in like a, a saxophone, a trumpet, and a, what else do we get? Saxophone, trumpet, trombone. Well, no horn <laughs> Anyway, there were three horn. of them. Um, three. and and so they they did this song "Excuses" and that was all great. And we'd already recorded pretty much everything on "Born Yesterday" was recorded except for the solo. Now, when I demoed the song, I just did a guitar solo over, over in that mm. bit. Um, but we, I don't know, we 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 left that out because we were waiting for just a better idea. Because it just felt like a guitar solo was just a little bit like. Uh, Not very exciting. Um, Yeah, yeah. And I think me and Steve were just, we'd been, we were right at the end of the session. We were in there for two weeks, right at the end of our two-week session. So um, I think we were pretty much on the same wavelength. And while they were finishing recording their part for Excuses, we were like, oh, man, what about saxophone on Born Yesterday? (laughs) So when they finished it, we just said, okay, hey, Carl, there's this other song that needs a solo. Can we just like run run you this section, this instrumental section, and just go for it? Just get a bunch of takes. Let just and re- we really just encouraged him to really let loose. Like, don't hold back. Um, you know, embrace the cheese. Uh, you know, don't be afraid to kind of go full '80s on it. Um, and yeah, he just he just went 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 for it, and we. Yeah, got a whole bunch of takes and then Steve kind of put together, you know, the best one or the most exciting one and and you know, it was just a perfect it was just like the it was it just was the perfect final piece that just unlocked the song because yeah, yeah. It, it feels works great. S- I went,
1: yeah, it, it feels good when it when it kicks in. I was driving today. I was driving uh along you know in in traffic and i had i don't usually listen to the radio at all but i was listening to triple m because i'd had my kids in the car previously and they like listening to kind of like rock you know like classic rock and uh (laughs) so it was it was tuned to triple m and um and your song came on and then when the sax kicked in it just felt good you know like i was was like Mm. yeah i felt like putting my elbow out the window (laughs) smoking a cigarette you know (laughs) yeah
0: because it's the the funny thing the amazing thing for me about it like in reflecting back on it is like it works on t- in two really important ways like the first is that it comes out of left field. I think it's really unexpected um because we're not you know i guess because we're just not used to hearing a lot of saxophone on rock songs these days and um mm. so and i I knew that that it would have that effect, and that was part of, partly what was so exciting about doing it um, but the other thing in a really interesting way that makes it work in, for me is like because the song is kind of about you know it's a, it's it's mining this kind of sentiment of nostalgia and you know thinking back to mm. my late teens early 20s and the saxophone for anybody who has been alive long enough to have grown up during the 80s we were both children in the 80s but can mm-hmm. remember it and when it, it when you hear the saxophone it immediately evokes that the feeling of nostalgia because it takes it back to the 80s which which just works completely for the sentiment of the song and and that second part of it that was the bit that i didn't expect that was the bit that i only realized afterwards Mm. you know um i didn't i i didn't realize that um well maybe on a sub maybe i did on a subconscious level but on an intellectual level i didn't really kind of realize just um that it would have that effect until after long after it had been recorded and Mixed and it and I'd heard it a bunch of times that I kinda of thought about on that level. So yes, I'm I'm really, really uh, really happy with that song and how it's come out and
1: uh, Yeah, it sounds sounds killer. And you know the interesting thing was, you know, especially because this is a Christmas special, so I heard that song and then the guy was like, And now we're gonna be doing a dig deep on Paul Kelly. And nice. this is Paul Kelly's Christmas song, How to Make Gravy. Paul, tell us about the song. And then he, he busted into an explanation about how to make gravy. And then I got home, got your text saying, are we doing this podcast tonight? And I was like, this is just Segway Central. <laughs> and so I might as you- well be riding a Segway around my studio now talking to you. Well, I'm glad that uh, you brought that up
0: because that was one of the songs that I wanted to um, go into. So why don't we listen to a little bit? Of, because as we record this, not as you'll, our listeners are listening to it, I think this will be coming out on Christmas Eve, but... As we are speaking today, it is gravy day. It's the twenty first of December. It is. Um, so I thought, you know, we got to, we've got to listen to a bit of how to make gravy. So let's let's listen to a bit of that now and um, and talk on the other side.
2: Hello Dan, it's Joe here I hope you're keeping well It's the 21st of December Now they're ringing the last bell If I get good behaviour I'll be out of here by July won't you kiss my kids on Christmas Day Please don't let them cry for me I guess the brothers are driving down from Queensland And Stella's flying in from the coast Say it's gonna be a hundred degrees, even more, maybe. But that won't stop the road. Who's gonna make the gravy now? I bet it won't taste the same. Or just that flour, salt, a little red wine. Get a dollar for tomato sauce for sweetness and that extra tang. And give my love to Angus and the Dolly Tell them all I'm sorry. I screwed up this time.
0: Um, So I was thinking about I the, the lyrics, obviously. I, I did this little tweet today because I could see on Twitter like Gravy Day was trending and everything. I was like, this is awesome. This is such a great thing that's just seems to have just kind of happened over the last few years. Um, and I'm I'm all for it. And so I just tweeted my favorite lyric from the song which is um um and Roger I'm even going to miss Roger <laughs> because there's no one sure as hell no one in here I want to fight. Um obviously he's the the protagonist is uh in jail for Christmas and and you know like the the whole song is just is just filled it, it's like a movie in a song.
1: That's
0: no, brilliant. I, I and I, and every there's so many lines that just that just draw you into this kind of storyline. Well, you know, who are these people? You know, who's Roger? Somebody tweeted me back to that just before we started this, actually saying, I bet you Roger is that, like, guy who watches Sky News and thinks that coronavirus is a hoax and, you know, like your typical kind of right-winger kind of dude. And I was like, yeah, I absolutely agree that um, I see those two characters as fighting about politics, right? They're they're two people that butt heads over politics at Christmas. It's a really, you know...
1: I thought he was uh I thought Roger was cuz he keeps he keeps talking about is it Tina or, or Rita Rita so he keeps talking about Rita and he says something like um I know you really like her but don't don't do that to me while I'm in here uh, and then he's like and then he Dan. goes uh eh? that's
0: Dan he's talking about Dan oh. the guy he's writing the letter to. Yeah Cuz
1: I love I love that bit and he's like I'm sorry I'm so sorry I said that but you yeah, know like yeah. when you're in jail this this stuff gets stuck in your head and that yeah. like for me that was the thing he's like because we, yeah. you know, like the the idea of being jealous and and, yes. and, and covetous, and then and having z- literally no control over uh, you know what is happening outside your own kind of little actual cell. I know. Uh, yeah, it's it's. I actually, I got to say, like I've never, I, I'd never have listened very carefully to that song before. And today, I pulled the car over and I sat there and listened to it full bore in the in the car. And I, I got a bit teary. I got to say, yeah. it's like it's yeah. pretty. It's Pretty amazing. I mean, we all know Paul Kelly's amazing, but every now and then I have these moments where I'm like, uh, I've been I've been taking for granted, you know how how good he is when he's at his best. you know what I mean?
0: That's what makes him amazing. It's uh, he's undeniable. And mm. I, I do you know the song? Um, I'm sure you do the song uh, "Deeper Water." Mm. Um, go have a deep dive into "Deeper Water," Josh. Do yourself a favor. If that song will <laughs> that song will make you tear up for sure. It is it's similar to how to make gravy but it's it's really it's just deeply profound but it's also very um uh story like um mm. but in a more poetic and profound way how to make gravy is still po- poetic and profound but it's a little bit more kind of bar, bar stool kind of storytelling yeah it's um, kind of very pogsy i got to say i guess it is yeah yeah and i you know i wonder if um if that Pogues song was was rattling around somewhere in his subconscious when he decided to write that song because yeah mm. I think you know to Australia I guess that that is uh you know similar to how the, that poke song is revered um, in England um, yeah the how to make gravy is just it just gets bigger and bigger that's the thing that I just find so fascinating to witness like it's yeah it, it, I mean I remember when that song came out in the nineties and. I had on Triple J. It was a thing, but it was nothing like it is now. I mean, it's just
1: to become this cult. Like, well, I, th- I think it's sort of it harkens back to a a type of Australian that we we sort of all know, but maybe we're a bit more detached from these days. It's kind of it's you know, it kind of harkens back to you know the Aussies in the castle and stuff like that. You know, like these yeah. kind of you know you know, big hearted, but they've made some mistakes and, and I don't know, there's a, there's a nostalgia to it. um, Totally. An emotional nostalgia to it, which I think is, is kind of, you know, making a comeback, I guess.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It speaks, it speaks of, um, so I'm just looking up the lyrics on the, on my computer. Um, It speaks of, yeah, like um, an Australia that is very easy for, it seems even Jen, what what's the new, latest generation? What are, who are the new kids called? Are millennials even? Yeah, I think so. Even millennials who were probably not some uh, weren't even born when this song came out, and even millennials can relate to it. So obviously, mm. it speaks to something that's so deeply entrenched, so deeply Australian, so entrenched that it doesn't matter how much time goes by. Not only does it not diminish
1: the um, the song, but it it seems to just grow and make it better yeah. and better. And he, he, so he was being interviewed before the song came on and, and he was talking about how um, he, you know, he'd sort of thought about writing a Christmas song and all the Christmas songs that are the the big sort of ones that have appealed to everybody, and I think this is really important, is the is they're all about missing Christmas or some sense of loss to do with Christmas. And so he was even talking about White Christmas. He was like, you know, i'm dreaming and i'd never actually thought about this either it's about a guy that's in la missing a snowy christmas i'm dreaming of a white christmas because he's not he's not there and he said you know like he sort of took that sentiment and and went into um how to make gravy in the in the idea of like you know missing out on this Mm. um and i think you know i you and i i don't know if this is the right time to to talk about this but you and i have for a long time talked about doing a a christmas show of some sort obviously this is not the year to do it but (laughs) but um we actually sort of workshopped a couple of ideas and had some uh some ideas for a christmas song and when i got home i actually looked looked the little voice memo up that um that i'd made of of an idea that i had and i realized it taps into that as well it's about loss it's about like it's about christmas not in terms of cheesy silent night or you know jingle bells it's about the idea of loss and the poignancy mm. of 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 how christmas can be a, a very sad time and i actually i have the voice memo here and would you would you care would you That's, care for me to absolutely to, uh, play a bit of it yes so, please do please do b- bit of context we were gonna write this song i'm just turning my microphone around um and so, I just made a little voice memo of it. Like, this is, it looks like it was in 2017. Um, and so, the idea of this song, you might not be able to hear all of it properly, but the idea was, because we both have kids, and the idea was like, that idea of, you know, somehow your child is at some point going to learn that you're, that Santa Claus is not true and the elves aren't yes, true and everything. Yes, that's right. And so, there's this idea of loss, right? There's this idea mm. of, of um sadness that you're witnessing this beautiful kind of uh naive you know experience S- yeah slipping away into the, the into the world of reality and it's the and, death know, of the death of innocence the death of innocence so this is just a, a little snapshot of what i sent you i don't know if you'll be able to hear it but we'll check it out That, that's like I reckon that's got legs. It says, I, "So tell me, will you believe next Christmas when you lay your head, will you, if will you still believe in me?" So it's like, are they, you know, are they going to believe in you when they realise that you've been basically selling them a, a weird lie,
0: I <laughs> a know. weird Look, gaslighting lie? I love it. I, I, I love it. I think uh, it sounds cool, but also I think the concept is fantastic. Surely this is something that um, parents everywhere must wrestle we, we you know i've thought about the same thing as well we make we 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 make this we we go along with this long-held tradition of santa claus and and our kids are a similar age mm. ella just turned nine in october and this year is the first year where she started saying santa's not real oh. um and and i pretty much just kind of put the ball back in her court right um in typical handball <laughs> <humble laughs> parenting fashion and just being like well you know it's one of those things where, you know, when you stop believing, that's when Santa stops visiting. So it basically, it's in her best interest. It's in <laughs> but her. But hang
1: best on. But can I can I just say, like, when do all your kids' gifts come from Santa, or just one or two, and then the rest are from you?
0: No, all the good ones come from us, and Santa the Santa sack's just filled with shit. <laughs> okay.
1: Yeah. Cool. 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 Because otherwise, you really like you, you. That's like that's kind of hardcore. You're basically saying. Well, if you stop believing in this lie that I'm selling you, you're not going to get any presents, kids. So it's fucking weird, though, isn't it? Like, I know what, it is what weird. Are, what are we doing? Like, my I don't believe in God. Like, I don't. But I feel like I'm basically gaslighting my children. Like, we, we I do the calendar. They, you know, they get like the elves come every day and they get. We go, do Thank the elves, you, elves as well, and I I'm what are not. Doing?
0: I'm, I was against the elves. I blame my wife for the elves. She brought them into the house. <laughs> I was never into it. Um, I was just like, no, there's enough. We've got enough to deal with without having to bloody <laughs> fucking put elves around the place every night. Um, <laughs> that's a pain. it's a pain in the ass. But um, but no, look, look, I just come back to the idea of like, well, this is it's just uh, it's for just better, nice, for better or worse. Not the elves thing, but the Santa thing. I mean, we grew up with it. I mm. believed in it for a while. Then I realised it wasn't true. It didn't. It didn't have any major effects on me. I mean, I know that that's not a reason to continue. I mean, you know, I don't think it's on the same level as like, well, you know, my parents used to hit me and I turned out all right. Yeah, I don't yeah, think no, it's. No, no. I don't think it's like one of those things. Well, um, no, because it's a nice thing versus a, a nice horrible thing. thing. <laughs> but it's a thing, but it's a lie, yes. We're engaging in a massive lie. I mean, I, I heard somebody talk about once um, about this, how they were like, you know, this whole Santa thing is, and this person didn't have kids, it's was like, Santa, Santa thing's bullshit, right? Because the parents fucking go out, like, you know, sometimes parents work second jobs and stuff to get enough money at Christmas time because, you know, mm. it's a very expensive time of the year when you've got a family. And they're, like, spending all this money and stuff, and Santa gets all the fucking credit. Like, <laughs> yeah. it's bought, like who the fuck invented this idea? So... Yeah, I, Santa doesn't get all the credit at our place. Santa,
1: yeah, um, no, same same with ours. Yeah, they get like one present from Santa, and the rest is from us. Because, yeah, as you say, like we you know we work hard. We want we want to we want our children to be grateful to us. But then it does beg the question: Why are we doing this? Ah, oh, man, it's it's. But I guess the 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 thing is when I see my kids, because I don't know if they still believe anyway. But they clearly enjoy the fantasy, exactly. and the ritual of exactly. it. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and it's not hurting them, so you know.
0: Exactly. You know. That's that's what it comes down to for me as well. They enjoy they enjoy the fantasy of it. It's the same with Easter. They still love getting, love you know, the idea of the Easter bunny coming, and we go through all that. And yeah, it is. It's just it's fantasy. It's play. Um, yeah. They yeah they enjoy it. So you know,
1: let's let's not let's leave it at that. You can't <laughs> over
0: intellectualize everything, you know. <laughs> Hey um you have already kind of uh, played us a christmas song i guess so maybe i should um go on to another one of mine um oh yes um well there's a song called silver bells which most people would know it's a pretty mm. old song silver bells it's christmas time da, 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 in the city. city i think it's been used in as for maya or something like that recently um probably made famous by um Oh, old mate, what's his name? Not Sinatra before him. Bing. Was it Bing, Bing Crosby? Bing Crosby, yeah. yeah. Um, but um, there's a version by Bright Eyes, Connor Oberst, mm. um, that came out. He, he did a sort of mini Christmas album uh, in 2002. Um, it's a mini... It's, it's not even a full album. It sounds like the kind of thing that was probably recorded in a day with a bunch of his friends. It's hard to tell. You know what it sounds like to me? It sounds like he... Came up with the idea and thought it was really funny and kooky, but then when he went to record it, he was decided. Oh no! If we're going to do this, it's good. We've got to do it sincerely. We can't. <laughs> so I reckon it's one of those things that started off as like total tongue-in-cheek, but was is delivered in a very sincere way. Um, that's my that's 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 my kind of uh, interpretation of it. But um, but I really love this song, Silver Bells. Let's listen to a little bit of it. Is, yeah. So Bright Eyes, Silver Bells. i just I just think it's a super romantic song and I think because it's crisp for me like Christmas the romance I guess if I was you know if i'm leaning into the romance of Christmas the setting is always it's not like in a log cabin somewhere in the in the snow or it's not like it's a, it's not like a rural setting it's always a city it's like New York or it's mm. London you know it's the bright lights people everywhere um That's where I kind of, where my little romantic fantasy of Christmas, that's where my imagination takes me to the city. And and this song, to me, it really speaks to that. You know, it just, it basically sounds like somebody just describing, walking down the street in a place like New York, maybe on Christmas Eve, and just describing all the things that are happening around him. Um, So,
1: speaking of the city at Christmas, did you venture into the city in this sort of COVID world that we're living in at the moment for... um for Christmas shopping, did you head up to Melbourne? for- No,
0: no, I've no. only I've only been into Melbourne twice since April. Um, yeah,
1: I I went into C- the CBD for for a little bit of Chrissy action, and I found it. Uh, I I just I had I don't think i have been to the city since March, and I found it terrifying. I've I've, <laughs> I've never been agoraphobic or anything, but I, I was suddenly like, oh my god, all these people, you know, like I'd been. Really, you know, avoiding people, and a lot of them weren't wearing masks, and people were like just standing around on George Street, like vaping, and and I was just like, <laughs> oh man, this is, <laughs> it's, I don't know. Yeah,
0: but was, but yeah. so, but I mean, you know, crowds at Christmas have always been a thing. Is this is this because of
1: the year
0: that we've had? Yes, yeah, yes. absolutely. Yeah,
1: it's just not being accustomed to, to to big crowds anymore, and sort of the underlying danger that that crowds. Um, have now you know like uh, sort of intellectually whether or not it's true you know statistically i, I think it's still very there's a very small chance you're going to get COVID, but just you know conceptually the the implicit danger that's sort of lurking amongst all these people and amongst all the surfaces that they're touching and stuff, and it's <laughs> just like oh, i don't think i can do this i gotta get out of here and um, yeah
0: and like in there's no no mandatory mask wearing in sydney or the northern beaches or any anywhere at the moment is there do you, it, it, it's, it's not mandatory it, it's, it's highly encouraged though there's definitely be been, encor- been because here like we haven't had a case in victoria for over 50 days straight mm. but with everyone still wearing masks indoors um or on, i mean i haven't caught public transport all year so but i can only speak for sort of being indoors shopping centers and stuff like that we don't have to wear them outdoors anymore some people still do um because probably just for convenience, if you're going in and out of shops, why, why yeah. you're taking it on and off? Um, but everyone's still wearing them inside the shopping centres, um, and so I guess I don't know. I suppose come, I know I'm coming from a very Victorian um, perspective here, but I guess having gone through what we've gone through, like you, it's it's hard. I, I'm I can't speak for all Victorians, but it's for me it's hard to kind of understand like oh why.
1: Just why, why wouldn't j- you?
0: Why wouldn't you just make
1: mask mandatory? Like, just, just yeah. do it. Like, well, we we. I mean, we've been yeah, we've been heavy mask wearing for the whole time, and to the point where, like, you know, I I generally get you know colds and some sort of you know respiratory thing every time I go out on the road, just a slight one, and I didn't this time because I was basically wearing a mask the whole time. So yeah, I mean, I think I mean we we all know the stats of like um, there's been far less cases of colds and flus because everybody's been practicing some pretty stringent hygiene uh you know uh, standards since this thing happened i'm sort of as a performer who's you know we don't get paid sick pay pay. as a performer that relies on being healthy in order to perform i'm i'm sort i think i'm probably going to embrace mask wearing yeah uh ongoing in all seriousness
0: yeah i look i I don't think yeah I, i totally understand where you're coming from it's probably not a bad idea i mean People, there have been a lot of countries, particularly in Asia, have been wearing masks as for a years, sort of yeah. part of, for, for ages. Um, so you know, maybe it's just something. It's just a little bit of a barrier that we might just need to kind of get over. I I still remember the first when masks became mandatory here, and the first day I parked my car to get out, and the first time I had to put one on before getting out the car, it felt weird. It yeah. felt really weird. I felt really self conscious. That lasted for like about a. Uh, it lasted minutes Mm. and now um and now to the point now where it kind of feels a little bit strange not wearing it oh absolutely um, after this many months so but yeah i mean um look nobody knows I, i guess nobody knows like you know what percentage statistical difference where everyone wearing masks uh does but um but it just seems like a kind of Really simple, easy thing that everybody could do doesn't hurt. That's for sure. It doesn't. It doesn't hurt. And obviously, there are some people that does, and that's a whole other thing. Anyway, um, okay. What about? I thought we'd play. Well, it's not a a game as such, but I thought it'd be a funny question Mm. um, for us both to to answer. uh, So, and and okay. So, what's the best and the worst present that you've ever been given, and also? Uh, oh, sorry, that you've ever given to somebody and ever received. And um, if it, it doesn't need to necessarily be a Christmas present. if you know, It's hard to remember over the years. But um, so best and worst present given and
1: best and worst present received.
0: So oh, let's start s- you with... You sprung
1: that on me. Well, I, yes. I can tell you that the, the worst present that I received was not... It wasn't actually the worst present, but I, I ruined it for myself. And... And what happened was, I was a kid, and I I remember this vividly to the point where I I've told the story to my own kids several times so that they don't make the mistake that I made. But I I remember when I was about ten or eleven, I searched the house for the Christmas presents. I did the old like you know try and find ah, what my parents okay. had gotten me. Sneaky. F- yeah, and I found and I found I found them. I found all all the presents. And in particular, I found all these micro machines. Do you remember micro machines? Hell's yeah! Fuck man, I loved micro machines. Like, they, they predated Transformers. Oh, I just I was crazy for them. They were, were they? so Is that cool. Right?
0: Micro machines. Yeah, they were a tiny. Yeah. Sorry, they it weren't was like tiny little cars. Tiny, just little, tiny cars, little cars. What, yeah, yeah, I
1: remember them. Um, and I f- I found like three, you know, three micro machines, three packets of micro machines, and I was so pumped. And then it was you know three weeks from Christmas, and when Christmas came and I opened them up. I just, I've never felt since or before uh, a feeling of guilt and deflation and Uh, like, you know, like a dirty kind of, I was just like, and I actually had to admit to my parents. I was like, uh, ah, they're like, oh, what, you don't like them? And I was like, ah, I knew I was getting them. And it was a massive lesson to me about like, you know, about surprises and not, you know, breaking people's trust and all this kind of stuff. Um so that was actually even though it was something that I desperately wanted it it ended up being sort of like a, a, a bad experience because I knew what I was getting.
0: You know what um, that you know what that sounds like to me that sounds like a modern retelling of Aladdin's cave. You were Aladdin. Sure, yeah, sure. I was Aladdin. You found the cave that. filled with gold and jewels. Mm. Yeah. And well let's just say things got pretty fucked
1: up from there. You can call me Aladdin. <laughs> From now <laughs> that can be our little nickname. Hey Aladdin, come on, yeah, yeah, Aladdin, let's play a song, Aladdin. Oh, I think you should you should maybe uh,
0: whip up a. You know, you've written some children's books now. I have. You, oh. You're you're an exp- you're an author. You're a published author. Oh, absolutely. I reckon. Look, I'll take. I'll be happy just to take ten percent commission if you <laughs> <laughs> if you work up this idea of a modern retelling of the st- Aladdin's of Cave. Aladdin's Cave. It's a. I mean, it's story a story of a little kid. Who, despite knowing in his gut that he's doing the wrong thing, he goes searching for the Christmas presents and he finds them all,
1: mate. That is
0: well. Imagine opening up the, the sort of cupboard. My parents used to keep all the presents in a in a in their sort of that all like a it wasn't a walk-in wardrobe, but it was a big wardrobe. Um, and yes, that's what I imagined. Like opening up the door and just you know pr- pr- wrapped presents just falling down on all over them. And did a did you ever look for yours? No, never. Wow, no. wow, good on you. No, um, the only I, I was talking to the kids in the car actually today. You um, know, <laughs> going back to the, the lie of Santa, and um, <laughs> and I was and I was just telling them a, st- a story. That I remember being, uh, oh, jeez, how old was I? Maybe six or seven. And on Christmas Eve, and waking up and hearing shoes, sort of stepping in my room in the carpet, and I was too terrified to open my eyes. So. Uh, but I was just—I was convinced that um, Santa was delivering the presents because we used to, you know, put a pillowcase at the end of our bed, mm. and that's where the presents would go. Um, and they sounded like heavy boots, you know. I mean, I was—I was half asleep, so imagination runs wild. Um, but yeah, like, but yeah, Ella was saying, "Oh yeah, you know, that's happened to me too. Yeah, I've been up and I've been too scared to open my eyes as well." Oh God. Um, I, well, so best present that I've ever received. Um, I mean, the first one, that, again, as a childhood one um, because uh, that's when the excitement is, is, is at all-time high. Um, when I was a kid, I was given the, uh, the game Test Match. Remember Tesla Oh yes I do the cricket do. game Yes. Little, it, like a felt I don't even know Yeah if you we can had we anymore.
1: had that as well we had that as well and the little like the the the, the bowler like you yes. swing his arm and it goes down a little ramp and went across now, the
0: the pitch that, right It was a big pre- like even back in the 80s when I received this present I I'm, I'm guessing that must have still cost like 100 bucks or something mm. a big big present like I that was just that was one of those it was like you know it was like going to Disneyland for me. It was like yeah, I couldn't yeah, yeah. believe, I couldn't believe it that um, that I'd got it, you know. Um, it was such a massive present. And I played the shit out of Test Match for many happy years after that. Hmm. So, yeah, that's probably, what about worst, what, what, uh, what, uh, what sort of a present giver are you? Because I will <sighs> admit I'm pretty shit at giving I'm presents. I'm pretty bad, man, yeah. What is I'm- that?
1: What makes a person good at giving presents and shit at giving presents? I just ah. like I just I I am not I just I just don't care I don't care about like it was my birthday last week. I don't care about my birthday. Oh shit, happy birthday. Yeah, so thanks. I don't care.
2: Thank <laughs> you. Though.
1: Thanks a lot. I don't care. Clear, but, you know. Clearly you do. Um but you know, like my my wife is amazing. Like she she is like incredibly thoughtful about gifts. She goes the extra yard. She like always wraps them beautifully and, and hand cards. And she really gets a lot of joy out of giving gifts. And I, I find it really stressful. Like I just find, I, mm. I always think I'm going to make pressure. a bad decision. Yeah. yeah pressure, but buy something shit. And then I, and I also th- just think, you know, and I've, I've discussed this a lot with other parents. Not that, not that this is a parenting podcast, but you know, I also think with like giving kids to gift, uh, giving gifts to kids, sorry. It's like, how far do you want to go uh, you know before they are spoiled and what you know like i want to give my kids nice gifts and i want them to feel loved but you know i don't want them to feel indulged i don't want them to be indulged because then they will eventually just take for granted that they get this stuff so it's i think i overthink it um yeah. And then that leads to kind of anxiety about it, and then I'm just like, oh, no, I, just, I just don't <laughs> want to do this anymore. If you know, like, if I
0: fucking hate Christmas.
1: I'd be happy yeah. with I'd be happy with no birthdays and no Christmas. I don't, I don't know <laughs> that's 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 pretty hardcore. That's but yeah, I'd pretty, be happy. That's a you know? pretty that's a pretty sad uh, landscape that you're laying. Well, that. is it though? <laughs> if you have, I mean, like, uh, like you know what? Like, man, every every day, like if you if if you take away those events, then it means that any day is a potential birthday or christmas you know like it makes gift giving just a, a spontaneous act of love rather than a planned commercial bloody activity yeah
0: i know i look i Boom. i agree i think there is the overindulgence thing definitely i relate to i often worry that you know our kids get too much particularly um you know a good example of this not so much christmas but easter and more recently halloween right oh, so what Halloween. Happen- what, the
1: what fuck happens what happens now
0: it's like on Easter, and my look, my wife loves her dearly, but when we do Easter, like <laughs> she will she will go out uh, at nighttime and like just throw just chocolates everywhere, all through the garden and through the house for the kids to find. Right? So the kids wake up in the morning, super excited, running around, they're finding chocolate. They've you know, so by by the time they found it all, they've both got these big bowls of Easter eggs. And they have one or two and it's like, oh no more, no more. Yeah, yeah. And they're not allowed to eat them. So it's like <laughs> that's like we can't keep doing this. We can't keep like <laughs> get like I'll taking them out on Halloween, trick-or-treating, fill out massive bags of lollies, and then they're only allowed to have like one or two, and then the I rest know, it's just all, it's stay sitting in a bag sh- and then just, they have to ask if they can have one. And I, it's I like,
1: know. oh God. It's it's all <laughs> it's all like very strange. like when you get into this world. <laughs> It's very strange, like sort of coercive control bullshit, where you're like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> you can have every. I'm going to give you everything, but you can only have it when I tell you to have it. I uh, know, uh, yeah. And then it's like, I- oh yeah, and the- this big fat man's going to come down the chimney with his magical reindeer and give you these things. Like, what craziness are we talking about? What what are we doing? What is the benefit of this? Like, what are we? T- what what? Like, are my kids going to like grow up and go? You know oh the 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 reason to give gifts is to you know make somebody else feel good or are they just going to say the reason to give gifts is because we're obligated to do it on certain events because that is what culture tells us.
0: like what's well like, like, I think we're torn, I think we're torn between two worlds. It's the problem like we've got we're we're torn between the tradition and playing, being part of this tradition, but also um but torn between that and the uh, sort
1: of modern culture and what is
0: the right and wrong thing to do. so
1: but there my- is a there's an element of power to it, and I remember like when I studied briefly when I briefly went to uh, university in my short lived but illustrious um, <laughs> academic career, I was studying social anthropology, and there was a whole uh, section on gift giving, and generally in most cultures t- the gift giver is the one in 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 the position of power because you're. You are giving a gift, mm. and therefore, sort of requiring yes. or eliciting some sort of gratefulness from from yes. the receiver. And so, it's like, as you know, in in modern society, when we're giving gifts to our kids, or you know, from Santa or from the Easter Bunny, what are we doing? We're we're, we're creating a power structure and a power dynamic that's built on a bed of sand because these things don't these p- people don't exist these characters don't exist it's, <laughs> it's quite bizarre i don't know anyway maybe i've given it i, may, I might have given it too much thought <laughs> maybe i don't know I,
0: my solution for um halloween and, and easter anyway and i know it's, we're supposed to be talking about christmas but halloween and easter this would be my solution it'd be like you get as you collect let's just say halloween collect as much halloween's to it, lollies and stuff as you can you fill up your bag you've got that night to eat as much of it as you can because then the next day whatever's left over gets chucked in the bin No, so, that's terrible no no so then that's so like, wasteful though then no, you have then to they talk can, to them about the environment but no well it's wasteful anyway because whether they they get it's because of the way that it's, it works at our house it gets chucked in the bin anyway so i'm saying go hard in overindulge to the point, maybe that you even make yourself feel sick. Maybe like learn a <laughs> lesson about overindulgence,
3: <laughs> and then
0: next time you'll be like, "Oh, I remember last no, no, year when I vomited yeah. in the middle of the night after I eating don't want to 100- do this Anyway, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, what,
1: what about what about the the alternative is is like uh, collect as much stuff as you can, and then. You know, create some kind of system where you meter it out over the rest of the year. So this is your opportunity to get all the lollies, but you're not going to get any more lollies for the rest of the year, and you have to learn restraint by metering it out over over the rest of the year because there's this psychological experiment that people do with kids. I think I think you and I might have talked about this, where you um, put like lollies in front of the kids. And you say, okay, you can. here's a marshmallow. You can eat this now or you can wait 10 minutes and you get two. And whether or not the kid <laughs> eats eats the marshmallow straight away or waits for the 10 minutes is some kind of indication of intelligence. So maybe it's <laughs> instead of like giving them enough rope to hang themselves, maybe it's like give them all these lollies but tell them that they have to meter it out over the year. Maybe that's a way to teach them something. I okay, so
0: how, how about this? So on Halloween or Easter, they get the chocolate, they get the lollies, right? Yeah. They, you you yeah. put the bowl in front of them. You sit them down at the table. You put some electrodes like attached to their forehead, and that's yes. attached to a computer that's like yeah. reading sort of you know all their brain synapses and how it's all firing and stuff. And yep. then you record the results as you ask them a series of questions, yes, much like good. a test, yep. um, and they answer them and they get to eat some. And then we record all the data and make it just a huge
1: psychological experiment on our children. And then we send the data to Santa Claus <laughs> and see what Santa Claus makes of it, see if, if he can sort of extrapolate that you know, uh, for the world. And now for my next Christmas song that I wanted to
0: choose, <laughs> Santa Claus You Can't by uh, Kevin Bloody Wilson. No. Um, oh. <laughs> do you remember that song? I do, yeah. Yes, yeah. That's yeah. no, not that song. Um, I actually would like to play, it's a song that I just discovered recently, and it's really interesting. It's by, you ever heard of Paul Simon? Simon <laughs> yeah, and Garfunkel? Yeah, I think,
1: yeah, Simon and, and, and Garfield, <laughs> wasn't it? Like, uh, it was a big cat <laughs> no, funkle, he had his, yeah, Funke. Oh, Garfunkel, that's right He Garfunkel. was the funk. He was the bass yeah. player The funk, he was the, slap bass player yeah. That's right, you got it Garfunky.
0: Um So he put out um, an album in 2011 Which totally passed me by at the time um, But there's the opening song on this record the, the, the album is called So Beautiful or So What And the opening song, I think it's the first track on the record Is called Getting Ready for Christmas Day um, Christmas song, let's listen to a little bit of it now
2: I work my night, but it all comes
3: This is <laughs>
0: About song, about the fact that it's a Christmas song, and it gives me something to uh, put into this podcast, is that um, you know how obviously Paul Simon, very famous for the, the Graceland album, where you know he was uh, influenced heavily by um, African singers, and um, so he's still kind of you know mining that sort of cultural influence. Um, but it's but it's really kind of it's pretty kind of it's not experimental but you know what it reminds me of it reminds me a lot of the kind of some of the stuff that Damon Albarn mm. does um because he, you know, as a, a similar, not a similar musical journey, but he has been on a bit of a musical kind of um, journey through, um, I think, Gorillas Morocco. And, yeah, yeah but going to Morocco mm. and playing with Moroccan uh, musicians and making music with Moroccan musicians. And um,
1: this song sounds like it could be fucking Damon Albarn song. Um. It's, it, it is cool when you hear artists that have been around for a long time and, and, and you know, Paul Simon in 2011 still would have been in his 60s. Mm. Um, it's cool when you hear stuff and they're clearly still, you know, they're still pushing, they're still fishing for for, for things that interest them and kind of take them in other directions. I Actually, I didn't realise that Crowded House had put out a new song, but I heard this yeah. new song from Crowded House the other day. And same thing, I was listening to that and I was like, this is not paint by numbers. Uh, you know, this is not like resting on any laurels. This is like vibrant. Um, you know, it, it's, there was a, a bit of talking heads in there. There was some different vocal yeah. stylings that I've heard him do. And I, I could, I felt like probably his kids were involved because I know they, they play with him live yeah. and I, I know they collaborate a lot. Um, and there was even, there was sort of, I don't know, it felt like it was harkening back to, um, Split ends, that kind of split yes. ends, you kind of XTC vibe as well. But yeah, Absolutely. I love it. I love it when when uh, when you know artists that you think not not that they would, but that that could kind of just you know keep doing what they're doing because it's proven to be hugely popular. I love it when they when they actually are pushing limits. Still, it's 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 not. So, I mean, I've said this many times. It's not celebrated enough in Australia. Like there are lots of artists who are in their fifties and sixties. Who we know for doing these, you know, big pop numbers. Who are still, you know, still pushing, um, and we don't give it enough sort of credence in this country. But yeah, it's good, good to hear when it happens.
0: I wonder if, like, you know, artists that have been around for a long time, and perhaps rather than rather than sort of just continuing on that kind of wheel of writing, releasing, touring, you know, in a sort of two, three-year cycle constantly. I mean, there's only so long you can kind of keep doing that, I think, before Mm. it starts to impact your creativity. And if if you've been really successful, and so, you, you know, you don't have the financial burden, perhaps, of having to sort of keep doing that, then I like the idea that you can just kind of fall into a creative place where you just put out music when you've got something important to mm. to say um, rather than just making a record because it's, t- It's you know, been two. It's time yeah, to make a record. Yeah, it's been two yeah. or three years since your last record, time for a record. Um,
1: yeah, I mean, I think Wilco are a great example of that where they just keep doing... I mean, Jeff Tweedy's released solo albums, he's released books on creativity. Uh, you know, they're still making Wilco records um, and it's just... He's clearly just compelled to create and and... Yeah, it just continues to do it. And
0: you can tell great. with that... Well, I, I feel like I can tell with that Wilco stuff. Obviously, I'm a massive Wilco fan. Um, obviously. I, as I'm sure you are, and, and I'm sure there are people listening who are too. Um, so perhaps that makes me somewhat biased, but I get the feeling whenever I hear Wilco and, and for the last 10 years pretty much that you, you know they've got their own studio um, and mm. they, it just sounds like they're making music... Purely for the joy of um, self-satisfaction, you know, just making music for yeah. themselves, and the quality, I think, is really, really consistent. You know, like um, mm. obviously, you know, Jeff Tweedy as a lyricist, I think, is one of the best. Um, but um, but yeah, like they're not. It just, I love it. I guess I love it when a band like Wilco and uh, and others sort of just get onto that. They kind of shift tracks and they kind of just get onto their own track and it means that sometimes you could go years without hearing anything and then you might be like a a a flurry of stuff like in the space of one two three years where there's all sorts of different side projects and solo records and band albums and there's no kind of they're just operating on their
1: own timeline yeah they're not they're no longer a part of the music industry they're part of you know, they they are their own niche cottage yeah. industry. It's Wilco. I mean, they have their own festival. They have their own studio. I'm pretty sure they have their own label. Um, it's they just like they are a sort of uh, an industry unto themselves. That's definitely like what I what I'm shooting for in the next 10, 15 yeah, years.
0: Yeah, absolutely. T- yeah, well, I mean, because you've got your studio set up at your house, and
1: yeah, absolutely. I think it's mm. yeah, I love. You know what? You know what? I just got for my my studio what? though. It's getting delivered what? tomorrow. A, a big pool table. Oh, nice! <laughs> we've got the space. I've been to the studio. There's definitely space. Oh my god! I cannot wait.
0: That's, That's very cool. very cool. We just bought a. We just <laughs> bought. uh Well, it was it was a crisp I guess it was a family Christmas present. We got a table tennis table. um Oh yes, uh, we've got one of so those as well. It's, it's, a, it's an outdoor one, so it lives out on the decking outdoors because we don't have room for it inside the house. Um, but it's uh, and it's look. It's been really. It, it has. I, I was. Kristen was kind of the the main sort of uh, pusher for the, this, and I was kind of like, oh, where are we going to put it? Oh, they're really expensive. Blah, blah, blah. anyway, we got it, and it has been really really fun. Um, and the and fun, the girls it, yeah. have been really enjoying playing. And the, <laughs> the cutest thing is Ivy, my seven year old daughter. Um, she, whenever she wants to play, she says, "Can we play table tennis table?" <laughs> because <laughs> because uh, it, it always we always refer to it as the table tennis table. <laughs> um, so she, she thinks that the game is called table tennis table, <laughs> and we keep saying to her, "It's just table tennis. No, ta- no, you don't need to say table. Uh, just table tennis." But she keeps doing it.
1: Can we play table tennis table? Uh, you're all gonna, be, I, you'll all be saying that for the rest of your lives, I'm sure. <laughs> Should we play ta- table tennis table? <clears throat> <laughs> so um Christmas plans
0: Josh what are your what are your Chrissy plans holidays they're the all, uh,
1: they're a bit up in the air at the moment because um of covid so we we uh, we have sort of on and off years um and this year is the on year so we were going to be hosting my my extended family at our place uh like I said at the beginning of this my sister was up from Melbourne and has had to bust it back down to Melbourne to avoid um uh, quarantining and everything. So we're not sure. And there's a limit of 10 people. Um, so we, I mean, we have more, more people than that. So we're we're not sure. So apparently on the 23rd, I think, um, midnight on the 23rd, we, we hear if those restrictions are going to be eased. So at at this point it's all up in the air, but beyond that, we're going to go away to a, a beach place for a couple of weeks, um, before school starts again. And I, Actually, am in the process of of just making another record. To be honest, I haven't ex- really. Haven't. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. So yeah, I've just been so inspired by by you know the response from this record, even during COVID and everything. I just I just wanted to keep rolling with it. Um, yeah. So yeah, that's a bit of a bit of an exclusive for you, Kev.
0: No, that's great to hear. No, I love it. I well, think, when's, um, when's your album going to come out? Uh, April comes April. out. In April, yeah, cool. Um, so yeah, I'll put out another song in the new year before it comes out, and mm. then comes out in April, and then I'll be touring soon after that. So yeah, been we've been sort of putting a tour together for that record, and obviously we are hoping that, and I'm sure you you'll be touring again next year as well. Yeah, um, and 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 I guess sort of planning for everything to be not so restrictive Hmm. so the tour that we're putting together is pretty standard like um in terms of just going to every state and territory and um but yeah i guess it it, every it is still a little bit up in the air in terms of knowing what capacities and things like that are going to be uh what things are going to look like but i don't know i guess i'm i have been feeling very optimistic um as i'm sure a lot of people living in victoria have over the last month or two feeling like um, things are – that we're coming coming into the light again mm. um, and, f- you know, forecasting to next year and g- getting to April, May, June. I just f- – I feel optimistic that by then
1: we might be in a position to be able to kind of tour in a somewhat normal S- manner again. Semi-regular way. Yeah I, yeah, I mean, I think it's it's nice to close – I mean, you know, despite this COVID cluster and the the impact that it's had on people's – families Christmases and stuff like that which is which is huge I mean it's the same for you you know with family over in WA and kind of all over the joint um despite all that it, do, it is nice to kind of close the year with a with a sense that things maybe are you know maybe are on the the upside I bloody I don't want to <laughs> I sort of feel, t- yeah, feel scared so. of saying things like
0: that but um I know the feeling man that's been me for the about the last six months yeah um, yeah but I also you know and obviously what's going on in New South Wales at the moment is kind of, um, you know, it's happening and we're not quite sure. No one knows what's going to happen there. But I just, what I would really, okay, let's let's talk about Christmas or New Year's, not New Year's resolutions, but Christmas wishes. My Christmas wish, Josh, Mm. is that we somehow get to a, we somehow just stop fucking politicising Covid nineteen all the time, mm. and that because the, the I think one of the things that was one of the hardest things about going through those numerous lockdowns in over here, and it was just the constant fucking noise of everybody's opinions and the um and the way that different political
1: factions just uh, and the media the media as well. yeah just smashing down Andrews. All uh, the time. It, was, yeah.
0: it was just exhausting. It really was exhausting, and and I. You know, and I guess I feel like it may be because we're lacking <laughs> some more central kind of leadership. Well, I don't know, like I just think that we need to be a lot more supportive of each other. Mm. Um and as because these little spot fires, you know, clearly are gonna keep on happening. Um and I just don't think it helps anybody when people from different states or different different sides of politics or different sides of the media are all just bashing the other side yeah. you know in it yeah.
1: constantly it doesn't it doesn't help it just makes a difficult situation harder it makes it very hard to get anything done you know anything productive done when you're arguing about you know when you put politi- as you say when you're politicizing things um you know i think you know as we started this podcast i think we both agree that we're both extremely grateful for being in australia there's been challenges you know for, for victorians more so than for new south welsh people but um you know i i can't help but feel hopeful um particularly when compared to what we see happening overseas at the moment and so i think that's that's the thing that we need to focus on right now is like yes there's been negatives, and yes, there's been things that haven't been handled great, um, and there's been of course disruption and, and danger and and uh, despair, absolutely. But you know, all things on balance, I think it's we you know there's we've come out of it about as well as you could possibly imagine, um, and that's something to be grateful and thankful for, and and maybe maybe that's maybe that's what Santa Claus's gift is to us this year.
0: Well, I think it was beautifully said, Josh, and I think that is uh, as that is definitely the kind of Christmas spirit that I think we should all be rallying behind <laughs> uh, this year. You know, a mythical
1: it, adver- ad- advertisement red-coated man telling us that everything's gonna be all right.
0: <laughs> but you know, look, it, you know, no one needs me to say it's been a it's, it, it's been a fucking prick of a year. Mm. Um, so yeah, I think we've got to. We've got to, um, we've got to be more supportive of each other and more empathetic and, and yeah, just not fucking be constantly, you know, fighting or opinionating or politicizing everything all the time. It just uh, does my head in.
1: Yeah. As a wise man once sang, it's a race to the bottom.
3: Oh, woo!
0: Yeah. Deep, deep cut. Josh just referenced a deep cut there. That's a people, deep so, cut uh, Bob Evans. Go hunting for that one. Um, <laughs> did you have another Christmas song that you wanted to play before we go out, Josh?
1: Well, I think this this one is a raw and rowdy number, but I just I love this one. It's it's by um, the Pogues. And many, many years ago, there was a Sydney band called the Camels, and they used to play, they used to have a Camels by Candlelight uh, show every year at the Hopetown Hotel, the now defunct Hopetown Hotel, and for years, I went along and, and sang songs with them. I sang M- Mariah Carey's, um, uh, you know, Christmas hit. Uh, but I also sang okay. this song um, by the Pogues. And it's, uh, you know, it's very much in that kind of vein of rough living folk in, I, th- I would say, Ireland. Would it be? It would probably yeah. Sort of like Irish New York, Irish New yeah. Yorkers, you know. Um Irish New York, yeah, like a New York <laughs> cabbie, you know. Hey, get in my cab, yo. Um, <laughs> that was, a weird, uh, that was oh, terrible, that like, that. terrible, that's, terrible. That's, yeah. uh, but anyway, let's listen to it. It's a, it's a killer song. It's, again, great storytelling, and not, not particularly positive. You know, there's, it's definitely contains a lot of heartbreak, and um, you know, I guess it, it highlights the, the, the flip side of Christmas cheer, which is. Sort of, uh, you know, what you don't have and and what you might despair want and need in your life. Yeah, <laughs> is it Fairy Tale of New York? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Sorry, it's Fairy Tale of New <laughs>
0: York. Yeah. You know, well, I guessed it a because Pokes, because oh, you already song. knew, <laughs> and b because um, this was one of the songs you chose last time. We did I it only, I
1: I only know like two Christmas songs. <laughs> <laughs>
0: well, that's all right. Let's go out on let's go out on a bit of poke. Thank you so much, Josh, for um sharing
1: your uh, gravy day with me always a pleasure happy Christmas um, to you and yours
0: yes happy Christmas to you and all your family I hope it's a safe and joyous one yes. and I yeah I wish you all the best for the new year I hope we get to um, I hope we get to bump into each other wouldn't it be cool if like and I and Josh
1: Pike played at a the A same festival. fucking gig. Yeah, that'd be awesome. that be It's never happened. Does it
0: ever happen? Never fucking It's never happened, once but happened.
1: It, if it does happen, I would, I've, I've said this to you before, I'd love to just get up and guest on just, you know, one or two yeah. songs with Jebs. Totally. Just play totally. some lead yeah. guitar. Kick Chris off. I'll just play some lead guitar. <laughs>
2: Shred. No, you'll, fucking...
1: I'll just, <laughs> no, you can just, I'll just hand
0: you my guitar and um, absolutely. That would be so much fun. That awesome. would be awesome. All right. What, what, like, What? how does this, how do we make this happen? I don't know. It's kind of like, it's like, I don't know. It's like they're. It's like two worlds need to collide somehow.
1: Yes. Well, I don't know. We can only. We can just. We can only hope.
0: Uh, it will be fun. But well, maybe we'll have to make up our own festival. Just. <laughs> <laughs>
1: at once. That's a great idea. <laughs>
0: All right, mate. Thanks, Josh. Pleasure. All right. Catch you soon. See you, mate.
3: Bye. It was Christmas Eve, babe drunk tank an old man said to me and won't see another one And then I sang a song The rare old mountain dew I turned my face away And dreamed about you years for me and you, so happy Christmas, I love you baby, I can see a better time, when all our dreams come.
2: You promised me Broadway was waiting for me You are handsome,
3: you were pretty queen of New York City when, when the band finished playing They, playing, they held up the more Sinatra was swinging, all the
2: trunks they was singing. were singing We, we kissed on the down corner, and then danced through the night The boys of the Envoy, Pitty Choir, were singing
3: Go away, babe And the bells were ringing yeah. out for Christmas Day And I'm